we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is authority. Upcoming themes are awareness, life and truth. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programmes at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in New Delhi, 1962, titled Breaking Down Authority. For most of us, authority is very important. The authority of the books, the so-called sacred books, the authority of the policeman, the law, the authority of the past, the tradition, the authority as domination of the husband over the wife and the wife over the husband and the parent over the child, the authority that makes you obey, the authority that has created such disorder in this world. For through obedience you do not create order, you bring disorder, as all tyrannies do bring disorder. This again is a fact, both outward and inward fact, that man You obey. And all your constant demand is to find an assuring, comforting, enduring authority that will give you great immense satisfaction, which you call peace. Do please listen to this and apply it to yourself. You are not listening to words. You are listening to yourself. You are not listening to ideas. You are observing 
yourself in the mirror. You may turn your back, you may not look at the mirror, but it's there for you to look if you want. And as you are here, do look at the mirror, if you are at the mirror, which is yourself. So there is authority. The authority that makes you do things. The authority of right conduct. The authority that says you must not and that you must. The authority that destroys all creativity which is shown in the soldier. He is not allowed to think, he is allowed only to obey. The more he obeys completely, thoroughly, without hesitation, he is the completest soldier. Then for him he has no responsibility, his superiors take the responsibility. And that's why war is popular. And that's what most of us want, the authority of the Guru who tells you what to do. And you don't have to think, you don't have to feel, you don't have to question, you just follow. And so obedience becomes almost second nature. And a nation brought up on obedience is, is, a, is a nation that, is, that ceases to be. That's what's happening in this unfortunate country. There is no questioning. You do not break down authority. I, mean the, I do not mean the authority of the government, authority of the law. If you do break that down, if you don't pay taxes, if you don't buy the stamp, if you don't obey law, you'll go to prison. That's very simple. I do not mean to break down that kind of authority. That would be too stupid and silly and immature. But to break down the authority, the psychological authority, the authority that one has built up within oneself, which is to obey, Obey the Guru, obey the tradition, obey what you have been told, to bend your knee to so-called religion, which is propaganda, nothing else but that. I will, we will go into the whole question of religion later. So authority cripples all thoughts and brings about deterioration. You are never free. There is always fear. And how can a mind which is ridden by authority of every kind, from the little authority to the great authority, 
of the highest guru, the Shankara, the Buddha, the saint. How can such a mind ever find out what is true for itself? Surely you has find out what is true for itself, not be told by thousand teachers what is true. They all may be wrong, probably are. But you have to find out. And to find out you have to destroy every authority that you have created within yourself. That very denial brings a disorder. Because oh, this order is really fear. And when you begin to question this inward authority, and so tear down the house that one has built up through centuries, especially in this country. Which is in a state of deterioration. And to see this fact of authority and following, to see, to see, not merely intellectually agree or disagree, or to say what would happen if there is no inward authority, Probably if there was no inward authority, you would be disturbed for a few days. But soon you would find out another authority to replace the old. And in the meantime there is disorder. And you are frightened of that disorder. Surely, sirs, you must tear down everything to create. You must question everything and also, and in that very questioning the individual comes into being. Otherwise we remain the mass. And surely that is what is necessary at the present time, to, to question everything. To question, not to find out the answer. If you question with a motive, it's no longer questioning. Then you are merely seeking a result. But if you question without motive, which is quite an quite an extraordinary thing to do. then your mind is completely capable of seeing what is true. So, it is important, is it not, 
that there should be a new mind, a fresh mind. And such a mind is not possible if it is burdened with authority. Authority is not only the authority of the guru, the authority of the book, the authority of the wife and the husband, all the rest of the authority, the will to dominate. But also there is much deeper significance to authority, which is experience. Because most of us live by experience, and experience becomes authority. There is the experience of the scientist who has accumulated for many centuries knowledge, which is authority, and also there is the experience which each one of us has gathered as knowledge. And that becomes our authority, which again is the past. The authority of which the conscious mind is aware, and also the authority, the accumulated experience in the unconscious. So experience, which is the reaction to challenge, I ask you something, the very asking is the challenge which you respond, and the responding is the experiencing. And that experiencing is the result of your previous experiences, which become the authority. Please, it's quite simple. It may sound very complicated, but it's not. All experience is of the past. And any response of experience which is of the past will not break down the wall of the past. So, authority of any kind inward or outward, will not free the mind from the past. And you can never be master of the future, except in mechanical things, because the future is the unknown. But 
we look at the future, the tomorrow, with the eyes of the past. And therefore we think we can control it. And we do control it, mechanically. Tomorrow you're going to the office. Tomorrow you're going to have certain results in your activity. Tomorrow you're going to further the bridge, etc. Mechanically you will do all kinds of things. Therefore you think you are master of the future, but you are not. Psychologically you are not master of the future, which is of tomorrow. Because how can you be the master of something which you do not know? How can you be the master of a mind which must be young, fresh, innocent? So, when you see, I'm using that word see in, in the way I have talked about, seeing, that Certain outward forms of authority are necessary, like the authority of the engineer, the doctor, the government, law, the policeman. But every other form of authority is destructive. Because such a mind can never be free. And it's only the free mind that can go beyond. The second extract is from the fourth talk at Brockwood Park in 1975, titled, We Accept the Authority of Gurus. We accept the authority of the gurus, the priests, because we think they know, and we don't know. Now, if you examine the whole idea of the guru, which is becoming rather a nuisance in this country, in America, the world over, I'm sorry, I'm rather allergic to gurus. <laughs> I'm, I know several of them, many of them. They come to see me. <laughs> they say, what you are saying, is the highest truth. You, they, f- they know how to flatter. But, they say, we are dealing with people who are ignorant, and we are the intermediaries, and we want to help them. So they assume the authority and therefore deny freedom. 
I do not know if you have not noticed. Not one single guru has raised his voice against tyranny. So, a man who would understand what freedom is must totally deny authority, which is extraordinarily, which demands great attention, because we may reject the authority of a guru, of a priest, of a, an idea. But we establish an authority in ourselves, that is, I think it is right, I know what I am saying, it is my experience. All that gives one the, the authority to assert, which is the same thing as the guru, as the priest. So, can the mind be free of authority, which means tradition, which means the accepting another as your guide, except in the technological field we are naturally there, as your guide, as somebody to tell you what to do. If you reject that authority, as one must, if there is to be freedom, and your man must be free, if he is not, he is becoming a serf, a slave, and denying the, the beauty and the depth of human spirit. Now can the mind Put aside all authority. In the psychological sense, if you put aside the authority of the policeman, you will be will be in trouble. That requires a great deal of inward awareness. One obeys and accepts authority, because in oneself there is uncertainty, confusion, loneliness, and the desire to find something permanent, something lasting. Right? And is there anything lasting, anything that's permanent, created by thought. Or thought gives to itself permanency, and in investigating that, mind desires to have something it can cling to, some certainty, some psychological security. This is what happens in all our relationships with each other. 
I depend on you psychologically, because in myself I am uncertain, confused, lonely, and I am attached to you, I possess you, I dominate you. So is freedom possible living in this world without authority, without the image, without the sense of dependency and therefore independency. So is freedom from something, or is freedom per se? The third extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Bombay in 1967, titled Spiritual Authority is an Evil Thing. We have both outwardly and inwardly disorder. I think there is no question about that. There is general chaos, both outwardly and inwardly. Man is groping, groping to find a way out of this chaos, asking, demanding, seeking new leaders. And if they can find a new leader, politically or religiously, they will follow. That is, mechanically establish a routine, a purpose, a system which they are willing to follow. But when one observes how this disorder has come into being, one sees that wherever there has been authority, especially inward authority, there must be disorder. One accepts Inward, inward authority of another, <coughs> of a teacher, of a guru, of a book, and so on. That is, by following another, his precepts, his saying, his commandments, his authority, by following it in a mechanical way, we hope to bring about order within ourselves. And order is necessary to have peace. But the order which we create in the pursuit or in following an authority breeds disorder. You can observe what is happening in the world, especially in this country. 
where authority still reigns, where inward authority, the demand, the urge to follow somebody, is very strong, it is a part of the tradition, part of the culture. That's why there are so many ashramas, little or big, which are really concentration camps. Because there you are told exactly what to do. There is the authority of the spiritual, so-called spiritual leaders, and like all concentration camps, they try to destroy you. They try to mold you into a new pattern. which the communists in Russia, the regime of dictatorship, brought about concentration camp to change opinion, change the way of thinking, force you. And this is exactly what is happening. The more there is chaos in the world, the more these so-called ashramas, which are essentially concentration camps, to twist the people, to mold them, to force them to a certain pattern, promising them a marvelous future. And the dullards accept it. And so they accept it because there they have a physical security. The boss, the commissar, the guru, the authority tells them exactly what to do. And they are willing to do it because they pr promised heaven or whatever it is. And in the meantime they have physical security. And this type of mechanical obedience, and all obedience is mechanical, does breed, as one observes both historically and everyday incidents of life, it does breed great disorder. So, to bring about, or rather the comprehension of disorder, one has to understand The causes of disorder, the primary cause of disorder is the pursuit of or the seeking of a reality which another promises. And as most of us are in confusion, as most of us are in turmoil, we would rather mechanically follow somebody who will assure us of a comfortable spiritual life. You know, it's one of the most extraordinary things 
that politically we are against tyranny, dictatorship. The more liberal, the more civilized, the more free, there is an abhorrence, a detestation of tyranny, politically, economically. But inwardly, we would accept authority, the tyranny of another. That is, to twist our mind, our thought, our way of life, to conform to a certain pattern established by another as the way to reality. When we do that, we are actually destroying clarity, because clarity or light has to be found by oneself, not through another, not through a book, not through any saint. And generally the saints are distorted human beings. And because they lead so-called simple life, we, people are Im greatly impressed, but their minds are twisted and they create what they think is a reality. But actually, to understand this order, one has to understand this whole structure, not only of authority inwardly, but also outwardly. One cannot deny outward authority that is necessary. It is essential for any civilized society. But what we are saying is the authority of another, including that of the speaker. Because there can be only order when we understand the disorder that each one of us brings about, because we are part of the society, we have created the structure of society, and of that in that society we are caught. And we, as human beings who, are the, who have inherited the animal instinct, we have to find in as human beings, light, order. And you cannot find that light and order, that understanding through another. It doesn't matter who it is. Because the experiences of another may be false. And all experience must be questioned, whether your own or that of another. 
zoals experience is the continuation of a bundle of memories which translate the response to a challenge according to its conditioning. That is, experience is, is it not, to respond to a challenge. And that experience to, can only respond according to its background. If you are a Hindu, I hope you are not, or a Muslim or a Christian, but a human being, if you are a Hindu, you are conditioned by your culture, by your religion. And that background projects every form of experience. And the more you are clever in interpreting that experience, the more you are respected. And of course with all that goes all the circles. So, we must question not only the experience of another, doubt it, but also our own experience. And to seek further experience through expansion of consciousness, which is being done through various forms of drugs, psychedelic drugs, is still within the field of consciousness and therefore very limited. So, a person who is seeking experience, in any form, especially so-called religious, spiritual experience, must not only question, doubt it, must totally set aside, because it's only a mind that is very clear, that's a light to itself, it's only such a mind that has no experience. A mind that is clear, that's full of attention and love. Why should it demand any more experience? The tr what is true cannot be invited. You can practice any amount of prayers, breathing and all the rest of the tricks that human beings do in order to find some reality, experience something. Can, that truth cannot be invited. That which is measurable can come, but not the immeasurable. And a man who is pursuing that which cannot be understood by a mind that is conditioned. Such a man 
brings not only outwardly but inwardly disorder. So authority must be totally set aside. And that's one of the most difficult things to do. Because from childhood we are led by authority, the authority of the family, the mother and the father, the authority of the school, the teacher, and so on and on and on. There must be the authority of science. the authority of a technology. But this so-called spiritual authority is an evil thing. And that is one of the major causes of disorder. Because that's what has divided the world into various forms of religion, into various forms of ideology. So, to free the mind from all authority, there must be self-knowing, that is, self-knowledge. I do not mean the higher self, are the Atman, which are all the inventions of the mind, inventions of thought, inventions born out of fear. We are talking of self-knowing, knowing oneself actually as one is, not as one should be. To see that one is stupid, that one is afraid, that one is ambitious, that one is cruel, violent, greedy, that is a beginning of knowing oneself. The motives behind your thoughts, the motives behind your actions. Because if you do not know yourself, how you how the structure of your mind operates, how you feel, what you think, what your motives are, why you do certain things and avoid other things, how you are pursuing pleasure. Unless you know this, basically, you are capable of deceiving yourself. of creating great harm, not only to yourself, but to others. The fourth extract is from the second talk at Brockwood Park in 1971, titled, Cooperation Without Authority. Life is action. Living is action. 
whether you sit quietly, attempting to meditate, I don't know whatever that may mean to you, that's action. Everything is action, living is action. And in that action there is contradiction. In that action there is incomplete incomplete and complete action. When the action is complete, there is no regret, there is no looking back or suffering, it is over, finished. But most of our actions are not in our relationships. And this inaction in relationship is it not caused by the authority of the image which we have about ourselves or about another? Please investigate it together so that we understand something of this, because we, we, I want to go this morning, if we can, into the question of freedom and fear. And whether these images that one has, you know what I mean by images? You have images, haven't you, about yourself? Dozens of them. And these images become the authority in action. And when we have, say for instance, communes, as they are being formed all over the world, little groups, for those communes to function easily, efficiently, without any conflict between each other in the commune, if I, belonging to that commune, a particular commune, have an image what that commune should be, that image becomes the authority. Though I reject authority of the establishment. I don't know if you follow. Yes. I'm glad you followed that. <laughs> so I'm still slave to authority. Though outwardly I reject the authority of the older generation and their whole oh, set of ideas, beliefs, dogmas, the way of their life, I am still conforming to the pattern of an authority. And that authority exerts itself when another image comes into conflict with it. And we soon find a commune is broken up, as in society, as in every established order. So, is it possible to act without the image, 
as the authority. Because otherwise our relationship in cooperation, in living together, becomes a contradiction, becomes a conflict, uh, one authority imposing on another authority. I come here expecting a certain way, certain the people to behave in a certain way, the people who live here. That's my authority. And I assert that authority over others. And then there is conflict between me and the people who are here. Right? So I'm asking myself, and you too, I hope, whether we can have a relationship and therefore cooperation without any authority of the image. Because more and more, as one observes in the world, whether in Europe or in America or in in Asia and India, this problem is becoming more and more important. How to live together without any conflict? How to work together, cooperate together, bring about a decent society in which every form of conflict inwardly, which extended becomes war. Can we live together? without this conflict, which means, can I live in this world, with many or with few, without any sense of authority as the image which I have established for myself as the pattern of behaviour? The final extract this week is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Sanan, 1970, titled Freedom Implies the Cessation of All Authority. So then there is the authority of another and the dependence of another on another. There is the authority of tradition. There is the authority of the past, as memory, as experience, as knowledge. And there is the authority of an experience which is the immediate. Are you following? You have had an experience, and that becomes the authority. And that experience is based 
on your past accumulated knowledge. Otherwise, if you don't recognize that as experience, as something new, it is not an experience. Are you following all this? Am I talking too much and too fast? You are following all this? Which is following yourself, not me, not the speaker. Right. So there are these four, these various categories of authority. And how can a mind, a brain, which is so conditioned by authority, imitation, conformity, adjustment, how can such a mind and a heart listen to anything completely new? How can it listen to the beauty of a day? And the mind and the heart and the brain are clouded by the past as the authority. So if you see that, not verbally, not intellectually, but actually perceive the fact, the actual what is, that is, a mind that is burdened by the past, conditioned by various forms of authority, is not free and therefore cannot see completely, if you actually see that, then the past is set aside without effort. Right? So freedom implies the complete cessation of all authority inwardly. And from that quality of mind that is free, an outward freedom comes, uh, takes place which is entirely different from the reaction of an opposing or resisting factor. Are you following all this? Are you also working as hard as the speaker? Are you merely just listening, uh, hearing? What we are saying is really quite simple. And it is because of its very simplicity you will miss it. Our minds, our brains are conditioned through the authority, through imitation and conformity. That's a fact. And therefore, freedom cannot exist with such a mind. You can talk endlessly about freedom 
and revolt against certain outward forms of restrictions. But it's not a free mind. The mind that is actually free has no inward authority whatsoever. And we have explained very carefully what authority means. Have you, as a human being, any form of authority on which you depend? And if you do, freedom, you cannot have freedom. And it's only the free mind that knows what it means to love and to meditate. 